turn to the scriptures together, book of um, Matthew. Today we are going to be looking at the subject of generosity. Now we've been looking over the last number of weeks at um, being passionate, at being wholehearted about the kind of zeal that God wants to stir in our hearts in our pursuit um, of him. So we're going to look at wholehearted generosity. We're going to look at being generous with our whole hearts. And we know, don't we, that God wants us to be generous. Why do we know that? Because God is a generous God. God is a generous God. He just blesses us and blesses us. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. He has poured out so much goodness in our lives. And despite the fact that we recognize that we face challenges and trials of different kinds at different times, I think most of us in this room are in a place where we would say God has been generous to us. God has been good to us. And perhaps that is never better summed up than in that verse that so many of us know so well, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. If you're visiting us this morning, or if you're newer amongst us, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, we want you to know unequivocally that God loves you. God loves you passionately. God loves you so much that he gives himself for you in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. That he gives himself that you would be reconciled in relationship with him. That, that all the times that we rejected God, all the times that we did our own thing, we went our own way, all the brokenness and corruption in our world, that, that Jesus would take that upon himself on the cross. That we would be forgiven, that we would be made right with God, that we could be restored to the purpose that God has for our lives. And if you would like to know more about that, if you came with someone this morning, talk to the person you came with. If, if you want to talk to one of us down at the front, we'd love to help you. We want you to know how much God loves you and gives himself for you. Generosity then is something that is right in the heart of God's. And that therefore God wants for us because we know that the reason he gave himself for us in Jesus was, was not only for our forgiveness but for our transformation. That we could become the children that we were always supposed to be. The children of God that are, that are in his image. That if he is generous then his desire for us is that we would also be generous. But generosity is hard to define isn't it really? It's certainly hard to quantify. I mean, generosity it can apply to all kinds of things in our life. I mean, if, I'm, if I've got nothing to do, if I'm just like at a loose end um, and I agree to hang out with you for an hour, you might think, well, you know, that's great. You've given some of your time. But someone else might be really, really busy, really, really stressed, have loads of things going on in their life, and they carve out 10 minutes of their day, and they give you that time, and they give you that undivided attention, and that actually might be a far more generous act than my hour when I was at a loose end anyway. You know, generosity, you can't quite define it with numbers, can you? And of course, the same thing applies to, to money as well. It's not about amounts. It's, not, it's something to do with the heart. 
But you know, all good things are ultimately defined in God. All good things come from God. He is the definition of what is good and what is not good. And so if we want to understand the kind of generosity that God wants to produce in us as his people, we need to look at him. And God ultimately reveals himself to us in Jesus. So if you would turn with me to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. And I'm going to read from verse 36. Perhaps not a passage that you would expect, but it says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Or Luke also tells um, the same kind of story from his perspective in Luke chapter 22. If you're able to turn there, Luke 22 and verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Amazing, amazing example of generosity. This was not what Jesus would have chosen for himself. He was overwhelmed with sorrow and anguish to the point of sweating drops of blood. This, this was not the leftovers. This was not Jesus saying, well, yeah, I've, I've done everything else I want to do, and so I'll give you what's left. This was Jesus embracing the giving away of his life in such a way that it, he, was, he, was, he was clear, he was, he was owning the fact this is not what I would have wanted. This is not what I would have chosen. I'm, I'm not suggesting that it was a, a, a close call and that he nearly didn't go through with it. I'm just saying that the wrestling was real. The pain and the anguish was real. This was not what he would have chosen for himself. And yet he gave himself away. And then turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 10. You see, what Jesus is facing is not only the most brutal and horrific form of execution that the Roman Empire could come up with, but what Jesus is facing is taking 
all the brokenness and sin and rejection of God and unrighteousness and wickedness and evil in the world that's ever been committed to that point and will ever be committed in the future. And he's taking all of that upon himself. So as he hangs on that cross, physically brutal and wicked as it is, there's far more that he's about to go through in taking all of that upon himself. All of that which he knows because he is God. So all of that which he knows is, is utterly abhorrent. And yet taking it upon himself and bearing the punishment of that, he knows that he's about to go through that. And he gives himself to that. In John chapter 10, this is a bit before, this isn't right before the arrest and the, the crucifixion, but Jesus speaks figuratively, prophetically, looking ahead to what is going to happen. In John 10 and from verse 11 to 18, we read this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The reason generosity is so hard to define is because it has everything to do with the heart. Jesus is overwhelmed with anguish and sorrow, and yet he chooses to lay down his life. He does not withhold his life. And none of this is about spare change. None of this is about the leftovers. This is his very life that he is giving away. And there's a mystery here, an attention of truth for us to discover and apply to our own lives. Because Jesus says, this is my life to lay down and my life to take up again, and no one can take that from me because that authority to lay my own life down and to take it up again has been given to me by my Father. So not only have we discovered that generosity is about giving ourselves away, not the leftovers, not the, not the loose change, not, the, not the what's convenient for me, but that which demands my all, but also here we find that generosity is never about obligation or compulsion. This generosity, Jesus is laying down of his life. He's wrestled, he said, not my will but yours. But the father never forced him because the father gave him authority over his own life. He said, it's yours to lay down and it's yours to take up again. And no one can take it from you. This is why generosity is so challenging for all of us, and we wrestle with it so much, because he's given us free choice. He's given us free choice. You know, everything we have comes from God. 
Everything we have comes from God. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think, well, we worked really hard for what we have. Sometimes we think we got really good at making money and we made some good choices and, and we made some wise investments and, and now we're reaping the repercussions of our cleverness or our hard work or our, you know, just really slogging away and a good desire to provide for our family. And, but actually, we're never going to get very far with this. We're never going to get very far with this unless we recognize that everything we have comes from God. Scripture teaches even your ability to make wealth was given to you by God. It is he who gives the ability to make wealth. So even if it was because of your brilliance and your ingenuity and your years of study and hard work, it still came from God. Even if it was because Auntie Flo worked really hard and left you a massive inheritance, it was still from God. Even if it was because you thought you had a right from the benefit system to, to receive certain benefits and income support, it's still from God. Whatever you have, your very life, my life, comes from God. Everything I have is given to me by God. So here's the tension. It's your life. It's your life to do what you want with, but it was given to you by God with a purpose. Now, you are still free not to steward your life for the purpose for which God gave it to you. He's given you free will. There were two trees in the garden. There were two trees. He said, I'm sure there were more, but there were two important ones. He said, eat from the tree of life. Enjoy eternal life from me. Just don't eat from this one. He said, well, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'll have that one. He gave a choice. He always gives us choice. He says, I'm giving you this life, and I'm going to let you steward this life. He gave Jesus, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, has, we get a bit confused with this, the Son of God has always existed. He's co-eternal with the Father. Okay? He's always been God, he's always existed, and he's completely equal with the Father. Um, but Jesus the human had a beginning when God the Son became a baby. So his life on earth has its origins in the sending from God the Father into the world. Yep, are we all good with that? So Jesus born as he sent, and he knows his life on earth has got a purpose. He knows that he's been sent. So you read John's gospel, and again and again and again, Jesus says, I'm here because I'm sent. I'm here because the Father has sent me. He says, I'm only going to do the things that I see the Father doing, and I'm only going to say the things that I hear the Father saying, because my life is about a purpose. My life, in this sense, is not my own because it was given to me by God. And yet he recognizes I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again and no one's going to take that away from me. So generosity involves your free will. It's not under compulsion. It's not obligation. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't want it from you. Do you see the difference? He's given you a choice. He says, I want you to be generous. But he gives you a choice. This is what stewardship is about. Stewarding every aspect of your life. I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about everything. Recognizing that everything we have, our time, our resources, our material possessions, our relationships, they're given to us. Everything that we would consider a blessing in our life, they're given to us by God. 
and we get to steward them. You see, a slave, a slave is owned by their master and they have no choice whatsoever. But God calls us to steward. We recognize that God has given us our lives to direct. But that doesn't mean there isn't a purpose. That doesn't mean that there isn't something for us to discover that we are here because we've been sent into this world. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6 together. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And skip into verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, a message about generosity applies to every single area of life, and yet Jesus knew all too well that nothing tests generosity like money. And that's why Jesus taught about money more than anything else in terms of his illustrations and examples. When you steward what God has given you, you prioritize. You still have to use the resources that God gives you because he knows says Jesus, that there are certain things that you need. He knows that you need to clothe your family. He knows that you need to provide shelter. He knows that you need to pay your rent. You see, nothing about this message is saying, give more to the church and don't pay your rent. Okay? That's stealing. You don't go into a shop and say, sorry, I've been so generous to everyone this week, I'm just going to take this Mars bar without paying. You don't do that. That's stealing. Not paying for your gas or your electric because you gave the money that you owed to them, to the church or to anyone else out of so-called generosity. That's not good stewardship. That's stealing. But stewardship is about prioritizing in our lives. Stewardship is about saying, when we make the choices that God has given us, that God allows us to make with our lives, when we make those choices about what we need, and aren't we good at turning desires into needs? 
We're really quite skilled at that, aren't we? If we're really honest, we're really good. I, you must have done it. I have certainly done it. I have convinced myself that I need certain things in my life when really, if I'm honest, they're not needs. Now, it's not wrong to, to, to appreciate things and to like things, but there's a difference between a want and a need, isn't there? But what Jesus is asking us for here, and he's going directly and he's using the example of money, he's saying, it's about what you want more than anything else. It's about what you're going to prioritize as you steward the resources that I've given you. And he says, I want you to put the kingdom first. I want you to put the kingdom of God, the rule of God on earth first. Now, unashamedly, one of the ways we do it, it's not the only way that you do it, but one of the ways we do that is giving to the church. We give to the church because we want to enable the work of ministry. We want to enable people to be trained and equipped and empowered to go out and, uh, and share the gospel. We want to enable the sharing of the gospel together. We want to enable work that we do amongst the poor, amongst the homeless. We want to, we want to demonstrate the kingdom together. This was something that was perfectly normal in the life of Israel in the Old Testament. The people were used to bringing their tithes to support the work of those who were working in that context in the temple to meet the needs of the poor amongst them. It was something that they, they knew and they understood that they brought of what God had given them to enable them to serve God together. If what we give is what's left over, after we've taken care of all our needs slash wants, that's not generosity. And that's not prioritizing the kingdom. So when my eldest son, Luke, went off to university, we sat down and we looked at what he was going to have available to him, money-wise, coming in. He said, Dad, you're going to have to help me to budget, because I just don't know. You know, he's never had to do that. He'd had a bit of allowance from us, and he'd spent it straight away, and, and, and that was about it, um, normally on guitars and pedals. Um, so, so suddenly he was like, you know, I'm, I need to... Because we looked at what's coming in. What's coming in? He's got a bit of scholarship money, a bit of student loan, a bit of help from his parents, and, and we looked at that, and, and, and what's it, what are you going have to go, have going out? And you know, one of the first things, one of the first lines we put down in his budget, Generosity. Generosity. One of the first lines that we put down the budget. Now, as you steward and you work out your commitments, then you might have to adjust those figures. You might have to adjust those figures, but if the generosity figure is smaller than you feel it should be, maybe there are some other figures you have to adjust. I'm not talking about leaving it to the point when you're already committed. I'm talking about planning ahead. I'm talking about budgeting. I'm talking about planning to say, I want the kingdom of God to be my primary concern whether that's giving into the church or whether that's giving into the kingdom through other means as well, but I nevertheless want to make sure that generosity... I said to him, it's not just your giving to the church, son. I said, you need to be able to plan ahead so that occasionally you can say to people, I'll take you out and I'll pay. Because God wants you to be generous. And if you don't plan ahead, if you don't develop that and, and make that part of your lifestyle then you're going to be missing an opportunity to demonstrate something of who God is and what he's like. You know, maybe when we go out for the meal, I say this, my, my, my daughter, she's a waitress at Pizza Hut, and she's discovered that not everybody tips. In fact, a whole load of people don't tip. Um, 
There's a heart that says, and this is for her, um, there's a heart that says, when I go to a restaurant, yeah, I could get away. Nobody can make me pay more than the bill, but maybe I should plan ahead. Maybe I should think, I want to be generous. Just a silly little example. But I want to be generous. I have a heart that says, I want to go beyond. I want to give away. When you steward, you prioritize. God knows that you have certain needs. It's not wrong to buy clothes. It's not wrong to... Please keep buying clothes. Um, it's not wrong to, to, to pay your rent, to pay your mortgage. These are, these are important things. But maybe when I choose, when it, maybe when I'm at the point of choosing which house to rent, maybe when I'm at the point of choosing which house to buy, maybe that's when I face a decision. Am I going to max out my budget and go for the most that I can have? Or do I want to make sure, do I want to make those decisions in the light of what I want to be the foremost concern, the thing that I value more than anything? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Jesus demonstrates for us perfectly that this is not about something being taken from you. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Just like Jesus who says, nobody takes this from me. I do this of my own free will. So in 2 Corinthians, if I can find it. Chapter 9 and verses 6 to 8, we read this. This is Paul. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Generosity is not about what is required or demanded of you. Sometimes Christians struggle with this whole debate of this whole tithing thing that they find in the Old Covenant. Well, actually, tithing was around before the Old Covenant. It was a principle before then. But even that aside, sometimes people struggle. Do I have to do this or do I not have to do this? And the minute we get into that question, we're kind of missing the point. Because Jesus said in the New Covenant, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the law and I'm going to write it on your hearts. And I'm going to change you from the inside. I'm going to change you. I'm going to... I'm going to bring you into my image. I'm going to make possible what was never possible before for you to be the sons and daughters that look like God that you were always supposed to be. And so I'm going to do something on the inside that makes you generous, that makes you holy, that makes you righteous, that makes you stand up for justice, that gives you a passion and a desire to share the gospel. I'm going to work on the inside of you by my spirit. And Jesus makes it really clear. Don't think for a moment that that's going to make you less holy than you used to be under the old covenant law. Don't think for a moment that's going to make you less glorious, less righteous. Don't think that it's going to make you less generous than the 10% of the old covenant. So I want to encourage us, a couple of practical, a few practical kind of pointers for us in how we can go after a culture, a spirit, a heart of generosity. The first was budget. Budget and plan. If you've never made a budget, or if it's a long time since you made a budget, I want to encourage you, do it again. Do it in response to the word of God that you've heard this morning. 
Go and look at what you've got coming in. Go and look at what you've got going out. Look at what you're giving. Look at what you're giving to the church. Look at what you're giving to others. And ask yourself the question, is this what God wants for me? You see, some changes take time to make. If you've signed up to a subscription, you can't just get out of it immediately. But you can own a decision that says, when that subscription is up for renewal, I actually want to change that. And I, I don't know, I want to go down a package, or I don't need that. Or, I, or maybe, it's, maybe it's, you know, actually, yeah, I, I've convinced myself that I really need five cups of Costa slash Starbucks slash Cafe Nero a day. Um, and actually, maybe, maybe I only need three. Um, whatever it is, but it's a sense of planning. It's a sense of intentionality. If we only leave it to the spontaneity of the moment, it will be the money you've got left in your pocket at the end of the week. That's not generosity. Plan and budget. Second thing is this. Own as a target to go beyond the 10%. Own as a target to go beyond the 10%. I know for some of us, that's going to take time. I know that perhaps we have made decisions, and maybe we regret those decisions, but now they're made, and we've got commitments, and we've got, but I'm encouraging us, let's own as a target to say, actually, God, help me to get to the place where my generosity looks like more than what was required under the compulsion of the old covenant that says, actually, I want my giving away. That's one of the reasons why, as a church together, we own a commitment to give 10% of what comes into the church outside of the church, because we're trying to follow the same principle. Another practical point of view is this. Be prepared to relinquish control. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes, we can use our money and the giving of our money in a way that kind of tries to get what we think should happen. And generosity relinquishes control. Now, you have to hold this intention with the whole stewarding well thing. So I'm not saying, you know, I'll give you an example. If I'm walking down the street and there's someone on the street asking for money, personally, I will never, and our advice is not to give cash in that situation. So for me, in that situation, generosity might look like, and I can't do this always, I'm not trying to say that this is... But for me, generosity in that moment might look like going and buying them a cup of coffee, going and buying them a sandwich. Maybe generosity might look like in that moment sitting down and talking and giving some of my time. Maybe if I, if I can't do that, maybe it might look like just at least being prepared to look them in the eye and say, no, I'm sorry, I can't help you, or saying hello. Or... So I'm not saying there aren't times. Why would I not give money? Because experience tells us that in the vast majority of cases, that might end up making things worse in terms of alcohol abuse or drug abuse or whatever. Okay? So I know that there is wisdom and I know that there is stewarding. But what I'm saying is don't use your giving of money to people or the church or whoever to try and control. Don't withhold your money and say, well, you need to make these changes or I'll stop doing my giving. Or to a person, if you do this, then I'll give you some money. Yeah? That's, that's not generosity. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's a giving away of um, ourselves. And fourth practical thing is this. We have to disciple each other in this. We have to disciple each other in this. Discipleship, it's about, it's about helping each other to follow Jesus more faithfully, isn't it? It's about helping, it's about caring about enough about each other to help each other to be faithful in following Jesus. And actually, I think that ultimately, our discipling of each other in this is going to achieve more than just the church leaders standing at the front and saying we all ought to be doing this. 
Yeah? There's something really powerful when we say this is something we value enough as a community, looking like God in our generosity. This is something we value enough as a community that we will challenge one another on it in a supportive way, that we will help one another. There are people amongst us here, you're brilliant at budgeting. You're brilliant at organising finances and having a sense of what's coming in and what's going out and making choices in the light of that and monitoring it and adjusting. There's others of us in here that are rubbish at doing that. Let's disciple one another. Let's help one another with that. Let's share our skills with one another. But that takes honesty, doesn't it? That takes honesty and openness. Maybe that takes, you know, if you're someone who struggles with it, maybe that takes, hey, do you know what? I heard that message on Sunday, and, and I'd love to be able to be more generous. And I, but I always find that I've just I've got nothing left. And could you help me to do that? Could you help me to do that whole budgeting thing? You know, find someone, whether it's in your Connect group or, you know, if you're not in Connect, come and see us, come see the help desk at the back. We'd love to help you get to know some people. We have to do this thing together. We have to do this following Jesus thing together and help and support one another. Not in a condemning, judging way. Not in a quantities and amounts. Jesus made it perfectly clear. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. Everything we have comes from God. And it's yours. It's yours to do what you want with. I can't tell you what you have to do with that. I can't make you give that money away. I can't make you give it to anyone in particular. It's yours. This is a free will. There is no compulsion. There is no obligation. And yet God gives you everything he gives you against the backdrop of a plan and purpose for your life to be part of ushering in his kingdom rule and reign to this earth. And he longs for you to have a heart, and he longs for me to have a heart that is generous and passionate, that stewards well, and has a heart to give away as much as I can. Should we pray together? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us today and in the coming days to reflect on what we've heard from your word. Would you cause your word to do its work in our lives? Would you help us to be a generous people? Would you help us to be generous in our giving to the church, to one another, to people in need around us? Would you help us to prioritize your kingdom, to put your kingdom first, to make it our primary concern? Lord God, we recognize that everything we have comes from you. And we want to be faithful in stewarding what you have given us. That, Lord God, we would have the joy and the privilege of being part of what you're doing in our world. We say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. And would you produce a generous heart in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.